0: How many are ready for the word? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Lord, we love you so very much. And in the next few moments, God, we just prepare our hearts to receive your word. God, that it would be uh, just spoken, Lord, as as you want it to be spoken. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to, to see and hear, open our hearts to receive. God, that we'd go from this place changed. Every single one of us, those that are uh, uh, regular attenders, those that are coming as visitors, God, every person in every stage of their walk with Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would come from this place uh, resurrected, renewed, and uh, reinvide, reinvigorated, God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, as your will be done today. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 this morning, and we're going to be, title, uh, the title of this message is Believing is Seeing. Popular phrase says seeing is believing, but we're talking today about believing is seeing. Truly, to truly see, we must believe first. And we're going to read a little bit of John chapter 11 today, and I'm going to paraphrase some of it. It's a lot of verses in there, and just kind of give you the rundown on the story of the story of Lazarus. How many know the story of Lazarus? Okay. And uh, we'll find ourselves in John chapter 11, and Jesus is here right before the week of Passover, the Holy Week, right before Easter Sunday. And we're going to pick him up with him in a little town named Bethany. All right. So here we find in John chapter 11 Lazarus is a man that Jesus loved very much, <clears throat> and he was sick. And his sisters, Mary, And Martha come and they tell Jesus and they say this in verse 4. This sickness is not, he says to them, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. And so Jesus there continued his ministry two more days and he tells his disciples, our friend Lazarus has now fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. And they didn't quite understand what he meant, so he clarifies and in verse 14 he says, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let it go to him. So we find in verse 17, Lazarus has been dead for four days, and Martha, his sister, runs, and she knows that Jesus is coming, and she says this, she catches up with him in verse uh, 21. So if you've got your Bibles, John 11, verse 21, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. So Martha goes, she gets her sister Mary, and Mary comes, and she basically says the same thing, Lord, if you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. And so Jesus finds this, and the crowds come behind them, and uh, all the funeral procession is caught up with him, and Jesus is deeply moved uh, in the spirit in trouble, and we get that powerful verse that we all know, there's the shortest, simplest verse in the Bible. What is it? Jesus wept. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He wept over Lazarus. He wept over the family. You know, you get in those movies. Everybody knows those really cry movies. Man, come on, you you admit it. You you get a little tear because you're just the compassion. You're human, and it moves you, all right? And so the crowd says, man, look how he loved Lazarus. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? And so they come to the tomb, and Jesus says, all right, now remove the stone. And Martha says, Lord, by, by this time there will be a stench. If you've got King James, it's going to say, he stinketh, and uh, he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, didn't I say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. They remove the stone. Jesus prays out loud so people can hear, and he says these powerful words. What are they? Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes bouncing out of the tomb, and then he removes. they remove the bandages, and then Lazarus is alive and becomes a living testimony. Now look in this last, this last verse we'll read. John 11, verse 45. It says, Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary saw what he, Jesus, had done and believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told the things which Jesus had done. Is seeing, believing... Or is believing seeing? Is it that something that we see and then we believe it? Or do we believe it first and then see it? You know, the world is pretty skeptical about who Jesus is. They want some evidence to try to move them into believing. But the Bible says that Jesus is all-powerful. And the world asks, can he really give eternal life? They say, how can I be sure? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he defines it. He defines what life truly is. What it's truly meant to be. And how you and I are really meant to live it. Jesus defines it. And he becomes this tangible proof to the world. Not only of his resurrection. But ours. And Lazarus Lazarus, just like you and I. Becomes an evidence to the world. Of the living power. Of the resurrection power. Of Jesus Christ. That he is the I Am, the I am, the resurrection. So we're going to talk today about that everyone who loves Jesus as a trusted friend and believes in Him as the Son of God, He will call them by name out of a spiritual death and into spiritual life, and they become evidence of His power, not only to raise them in the next life, but to raise them in this life now. Let's kind of break this down a little bit. Is there evidence in your life now, that convinces you that you'll be raised in the next. You see, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if we don't have an idea of what resurrection now means, we don't have an idea of what resurrection later means. The Bible talks about born again. We'll get that to a minute. But is there evidence in your life now that you've been resurrected? Is there evidence in your life now that you've had a transformation, that there's been new life brought into your life? Because if there's no evidence now... There's no guarantee later. And that's what we're talking about today, spiritual resurrection, spiritual resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. What's a resurrection? We don't hear that word a whole lot today, but it's a return to life, a return to life. And if Jesus is the resurrection, he, the Bible says that he has been given the ability to restore, to impart, and to preserve life. He knows how to give you the very best life you've ever, the very best marriage, the very best happiness, the very best peace, the very best love, that knows how to give you the very best uh, family life, the very best career. He knows how to give you the very best sleep. Everything he does is the very best, and he is the life and the resurrection. And there's a newness that comes when Jesus comes into the picture. And see, the resurrection is not a thing, but it's a person. I am the resurrection. It's not something it's not something that we're looking to this just this an event, but we're looking to the person of who Jesus Christ is. He is the resurrection. He brings hope not only for a life beyond the grave, but for a new and better life now in this world. See Lazarus is an illustration for you and I what happens when a sinner trusts a savior. He's this example to us that just as Lazarus was decaying and dead, so the Bible says every single one of us is without Christ. And just as Lazarus was raised to new life, so are all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. And we get that sense of, man, I'm, I'm born again, I'm alive. There's something different. I remember one pastor talking to me about that when he got saved. He remembered going out of the church service and it was like the grass was greener. Anybody ever had that experience? It's like there's just something you can't explain that there's a newness here that you didn't know before because you were dead to it. But now God begins to speak. You love like you've never loved before. You have a peace like you've never had a peace before. And things just begin to appear different. You think differently. You act differently. You talk differently. Because there's something resurrected in you. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there with me. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, But God, be in, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions or our sins or our disobedience, he made us alive. Everybody say alive. Alive, alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Just as Lazarus was raised to new life, so are we if we love and obey him, lifted out of sin not of death. One author says it this way. I love this. He says, the greatest miracle Jesus did was not raising Lazarus to physical life, for he would die again one day. But the greatest miracle was in his power to give spiritual life to every single one of us who believe in him. You see, people didn't understand what the evidence was of what was happening here. They wanted to See first and then believe. But even then, with seeing, they still couldn't believe because there's a spiritual awakening that has to take place in our lives when we come to Christ. It's a newness and there's evidence of that newness. Let's talk about that. Lazarus becomes his witness, and we go down the chapter a little bit. It says that he was persecuted because he was evidence of the power of Jesus. I wonder. In our life, there's a very popular quote that talks about if there was an, is there enough evidence in your life to convict you if you went before a judge, you know, on your Christianity. But Lazarus became an evidence to that world, to the people who wanted to persecute Jesus. And they, they began to persecute Lazarus because he was proof of a new life, of the power of the great I Am. And so there's, a, there's evidence that every true believer, you and I, that there's a life beyond this world. Does the world look at you and I and think there's something so new in them, there's something so alive in them, there's something so, so re- uh, refreshing, so invigorating in them that there must be a Jesus and there must be a life beyond this world because that's what Lazarus came back and Jesus uh, raised him from the dead and people saw, man, this guy has been touched by the power of Jesus. That's the same thing for you and I today. You and I are proof Christian believer, you're proof that there's a life beyond this world. They can't look to science, they can't look at the stars and the moons, they can't figure out the geology of where everything came from and take the big bang back to the nanoseconds before God said it is. You and I are the living proof that Jesus is the I am. The I am, the resurrection, and the life. And we're supposed to be living that life, and we're supposed to be living that resurrection here and now. He said the kingdom of heaven has come upon you, that his authority becomes now on earth, and his presence is with us. And so what does it look like to live in this new life? I think the world really is asking, you know, and I think even churches and us, is real change possible You hear these great testimonies and these great stories of someone who comes out of drugs and alcohol and addiction and they were, you know, a prostitute on the street and then now they're an evangelist. You know, we we like that. But what about just change? Do we see real substantial change in people? Do we really believe that Jesus can transform someone into a new life here and now? Because that's the gospel message that Jesus has come to resurrect you and I out of our deadness of sin and give us a newness of life. Think about it this way. I was thinking about uh, this week regards to a baby. How do you know for sure when someone has a baby? Think about it for a second. Let's like, say you weren't there. Let's say Jubilee is going to be born to Pastor Bethany here in July. And let's just say that uh, they tell us the baby's here, and but we never see it. You know, no pictures on Facebook, never brings it to church, but they tell us, I'm going to kind of wonder, you know, where's the baby? Is it, is it alive? What's going on? You know, but we, we look, maybe, there's, maybe we get pictures on Facebook, or maybe you go to their house, and you, man, if you, uh, being a new father, you know, that, that's that baby smell. It, smell, it smells like a baby, or it's real soft, that baby lotion, I probably have one of the softest man hands in here, because <laughs> you, that baby lotion, man, it's nice, Right? And it feels like a baby, and then if you're there at two a.m. in the morning, it's going to sound like a baby. Uh, and then, how do you know when the baby's healthy? It begins to grow in knowledge, begins to grow in strength, begins to get bigger. Right? Think about it in a new believer sense, and in, in, in us as a Christian. How do people know? How do people know that you and I are born again? How, is there evidence of a life that is supernatural in us? How do people know if we're a healthy believer, a healthy Christian? Are we growing in the maturity and the knowledge of the Word, of Jesus Christ? Am I stronger today than I was yesterday? Do I know more words, more Scripture than I did a year ago? Can I hear my Heavenly Father's voice better? Am I walking in, in, in more wisdom now that I'm older in the Word? Do I'm still tripped up by the same things as did? Do I have a passion that I want to be near my Father? Do I want to attend church? Do I want to serve? Do I want to love people? Is there evidence? Is there evidence? Are we sometimes as Christians guilty of saying, yeah, I'm born again and telling it? Yeah, I'm a Christian on my Facebook. Yeah, I like that Billy Graham post or yeah, I like that Joyce Meyer post and like, like, like. But is that any different than someone just says, hey, I had a baby. Here's some pictures online, but you've never seen it. You've never seen it. That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Born again, the Bible says in John chapter 3 that unless you're born again, you cannot see. Everybody say see. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 23, you're born again through the living, enduring word of God. Though we were dead in sin, some of us, we stunk like the world. Jesus awakens us to a heavenly thinking he frees us from our bonds of sin, just like Lazarus. They rip those bonds, that, that, those rags off of him. Jesus frees us from the tomb. He rips off the bonds of sin. And now the Holy Spirit comes in, and he gives you the power to make the right decisions. He doesn't make them for you, but he gives you the power to make the right decisions. He gives you the power to be obedient to make the right decision. See, it's a choice now. Well, Before, you didn't have freedom of choice to make the right decisions. You were enslaved and bound by sin. You couldn't help but do wrong. But when Jesus makes you born again, it's not an easy road. It's not a just, oh, I'm going to be obedient now. But he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, to be obedient and choose to live rightly. That's the evidence of a new life. It means that you will believe, that you will love, and that you will obey him. If you're not resurrected in this life, you won't be resurrected in the next. Let me be very clear, very important. If you're not resurrected in this life, you will not be resurrected in the next. There must be evidence of a born-again experience in your life and my life. So whether you are here today, in whatever capacity of your walk and relationship with Jesus, if you're not resurrected today... There's no guarantee you'll be resurrected if he comes back tomorrow. Amen? Has the word of God brought a transformation in you and I? Has he brought us from darkness, from captivity into new life? Have you believed and do you now see and understand? Is there evidence of a change? And like that baby, do we continue to grow in strength and knowledge of the word? Or perhaps we see what isn't. Let's talk about the unbelievers in this crowd for a second. Let's go back to here, John chapter 11, verse 37. Unbelievers. You know, unbelievers are naturally suspicious. Naturally suspicious of what they see. And what they're not ready to trust what they see or hear. And little do they know, they're blind, they're deaf, and they're dead in their sin. And if you look at this crowd real quick, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 37 One of the crowd says this, he says, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind and have kept this man also from dying? Man, I see what Jesus did before, but why doesn't Jesus do that again now? Man, I've seen Jesus do some great things in their life, but what about my life? I've seen God, If they tell me that God did all these things, but I have yet to see those things in my situation or in my circumstance, you know, in our unbelief. We can't understand divine purpose or power. Why didn't Jesus heal Lazarus, the world would ask. Why does God allow pain and suffering in the world? I've heard that question hundreds of times. Why does God allow pain and suffering into the world? Why does God allow this to happen to me? You know, if God could, he would have. But he must just not love me. He must not really be there. Maybe there is no God. Anybody ever asked those questions when we were in unbelief? Perhaps the situation is that in our deadness we want God to do his will upon our bidding. We don't see the God of the impossible. They didn't expect a miracle that day when they went to Lazarus's tomb and so Jesus prays out loud that they might believe and still some did not but it was the power of God working within him and the, the crowd that day look in verse 45 they were divided and some of them saw only with their physical eyes but not everyone saw spiritually that Jesus was the I Am. They all saw, but they still did not believe. Some of us sometimes wait for divine signs... Some of us wait for a miracle to happen. Oh, God, if you would do this in my situation. God, if you just answer my prayer, I'll turn myself back to you. God, if you'll just give me that job, I'll do what you want me to do. God, if you'll just uh, save my husband, or God, make my husband better. or God, if you'll just make my wife better. God, if you'll just work this out in my family. God, if you'll just help me in my finances, then I'll believe. Then I'll I'll know that you're there. The world does. But even these people, can you imagine? They saw Lazarus come out of the grave four days later and the Bible says that they still did not believe you can see every miracle in the world you want to and still have a hard heart not to give God everything we can make all these promises me, I've done it before God if you'll just help me through this then I'll then I'll really be obedient you know what I wasn't I always failed I never lived up to my promises to God because see he's the only one that can make promises He's the only one that can tell you I'm the great, I've done everything for you. If you'll just believe, then I'll show you my glory. And that's what he's saying here today. If you'll just believe and give me everything, truly surrender to who I am and surrender to me, then I will show you everything you need to see. I will show you all of my glory. And perhaps it's really instead of asking, God, why don't you fix my life? God, why don't you bless me? God, why did this happen to me? We just start saying, God, change me. Not God, try to fix my situation. Not God, give me, give me, give me. Or God, help me, help me. But just God, change me. God, right here, begin to do the work in me before my situation. God, maybe I'm not seeing like I should. Maybe I'm not believing like I should. God, I, 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 I can't believe my eyes. But God, there's still something here. Change me. And that's what we find in this crowd. What if they start, instead of asking God, why don't you? We say, God, changed me. Because the only question he asks, he says, do you believe? He doesn't ask, did you see my miracle? Did you see how I did this in your life? Did you see? He says, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? Not are you looking for? What are you looking for? No, just do you believe? See, we need to learn how to see. But even believers... Sometimes we see the impossibility instead of the possibility. Seeing the impossibility, let's talk about that for a second. Seeing the impossibilities. You know, even the best of us struggle with unbelief. Jesus wanted his disciples, the Bible says, to see a greater miracle than the healing of Lazarus. He wants them to see a resurrection. Why? Why did Jesus wait for Lazarus to die? The Bible Bible says that he, he told his disciples, it was better for you... That I wasn't there. It's better that he died and that now we're going. He wanted them to see a resurrection. Because if he proves to them that he is the resurrection, it guarantees that you and I will be resurrected again. He was giving them faith in what would happen. So let's look at this. I am the resurrection. Martha comes. And look at John chapter 11, verse 21. We're going to talk about the case of Martha. Because this is for the Christian in the room. Sometimes we can be unbelieving believers. Sometimes we can be unbelieving believers, as was the case of Martha. But anybody who is willing to love and obey Jesus, listen to me, anybody who is willing to love and obey Jesus, that is, have faith in Him and believe in Him, if you're willing to love and obey Him, He will prove to you He's the great I Am. If you're willing to love and obey him first, he will give you the proof to your faith of who he is. Let's take it, Martha. Man, I love this story. Martha's faith was was true. Right here in these passages, she believes. Man, she says, Jesus, if you were here, you could have done something. Man, God, I know you are possible. God, I know you can do all things. You see this prayer. We're going to pretend we're praying this prayer. Man, God, I know you can do all things in my life. Man, I know you can do this impossible situation in my life. She believes Jesus could resurrect her brother in the last days. She makes one of the most powerful declarations of Jesus. She says, man, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're God's son. You're here and now. And God, I know you're awesome. Right? We pray those awesome prayers right before we preach and right before we pray. Right? And Martha had faith. You know what? From the very beginning, her faith was weak. Why? She said this one really bad word. If, if only you had been here, you could have healed him. But God, you're awesome. You can do anything. You see this? If only you were here. But you're awesome, and I think sometimes we do that. It's like I'm praying, God, man, you could do so many things in my job, my life, and my marriage. God, I know you can do anything. But if you can't, I know that I'm working out, and if only when I get to heaven, I have perfection. You know, we just do, we set ourselves up for this. And so from the very beginning, she began to limit the power of God, saying, if. She even comforted herself, and Jesus is like, no, but I can, I, But listen, listen, I can, I can raise him. But she said, I know you can raise him in the last days at heaven, And and it's like, He's like, just be quiet, woman. I'm trying to tell you. I'm about to do something awesome. But she's like, if only, and I know you could have, but I'm so sad now, and I know you're the God of the impossible, but if, and so approaching the tomb, he even gets to the tomb, and she said, he says, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life, and he gets to the tomb, and she says, but God, he so stinks. He's been dead for four days. You know what? She did not see the, impossib- the possibility that God was the God of the impossible. That Jesus didn't have to be, Jesus could have spoke a word. And even though he was a four-day journey away, he could have spoke a word. Lazarus could have been healed, right? Even though that he was dead, that Lazarus could have been made whole and live. And even if Lazarus stunk, Jesus could make him smell like roses if he wanted to. God's the God of the impossible. And so even real faith can be clouded in dark times. Maybe you're there today. Has your faith been clouded in a dark time? And maybe you've been going through troubled situations, and you can pray the most awesome prayers, and you can truly believe in your heart. Man, Martha had a profound declaration of Jesus as the Christ. But she used the word if. If. What happens when the trials of life come, believer? You know, our faith may may be sincere, but is it limited? Do we use that word, if too much? Do we believe he's the God of the impossible, but lack the faith to see the impossible? Chris, he's the God of the impossible, ain't that right? Chris had a powerful testimony last Sunday night. We can tell him, yes, Jesus, you're the great I am, but when it comes through walking through hard times, how much walking do we do? We start giving him the reasons why life isn't working out. Man, life stinks right now, God. He said, man, I can make it smell better. Jesus did not love Lazarus less by waiting. And he doesn't love you less when your prayers aren't answered. In fact, he might just be waiting to show you a little bit more of his glory. If you believe, you'll see my glory. If you believe, you'll see my glory. True faith. I love what one author says. I think it's up here. True faith relies on God's promises and thereby releases God's power. True faith relies on God's promises and releases His power. What has God told you in His Word? Do you believe it? The Bible says, Whatsoever you ask in His name, that He will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask anything in His name, and He will do it. If you believe, He says in Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him that believes. What do you do today when the case seems closed and the door is shut, and the tomb door is so heavy you can't open it, when everything is dark around you, when you're so bound up, when it seems like you've lost everything that you love, that everything is just down in the dumps and there's no possibility, even though you serve the God of the impossible? What do you do today when it seems hopeless and life stinks? Do you believe God for your provision, for your healing, for your marriage? for that lost loved one, for that miracle, do you see the glory of God? God wants to show you and I His glory so very much. But do you believe? Do you believe? John chapter 11, verse 40. He said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Belief is simply to have faith, to trust that God and His Word is reliable. To To be convinced of Him, Man, it's to be convinced of him so much that I can pledge myself to do what he says. To be so convinced of this word, so convinced of the word of God that I pledge myself to do what it says, even if I disagree, even if it's hard, even if I don't understand it. The world wants to define so many things today, which is right and wrong, but the Bible says this is God's way. And even if I don't get it or understand, he says, do you believe do you believe in me? And why can't I believe him today? Because of that, one of the shortest, most powerful verses, Jesus wept. You See, the whole gospel is about personal relationship. He so loved Lazarus, and Lazarus so loved him, that Jesus in his humanity, the Bible says that he was a man acquainted with grief and our sorrows, stricken and afflicted for us. He became human. God, 100% man, because he loved you so very much. And because I know he loved me enough to die on a cross, to take my sin, despising the shame for the glory set before him, the joy set before him, because he so loved, because he cried for humanity, I can trust him at his word. Do you see the glory? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, our youth are going to prepare here in a second for a drama. And after this drama, we'll come back and have our response time. But I want to pray as they go ahead and prepare to get ready for this thing, that we just get our hearts and just use this drama as an illustration. That we would allow God, the Holy Spirit, to begin to speak to us and to move on our hearts. So, Father God, I pray in the next few moments, Lord, as we just get ourselves ready to respond, Lord, that we would believe, that we would see the glory of God. Father, no matter what our situation would be, no matter what our circumstances, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, the Bible says there's no condemnation now for those who have come to Jesus Christ. I pray for every single person in this place that we would not leave, the, leave this room if, not, if there's a person here who does not know Jesus Christ and Savior, who's not given up that obedience, become conformed into His image, who hasn't had that resurrection experience. That We do that today. And Father, I pray for those that have been living dull and boring. Maybe we've been living a, a dull life. That Father, You would just resurrect that into a living image of Jesus Christ. We would be evidence, God, of who you are, to this world, that there is a life beyond this. In Jesus' name, amen.